Welcome to the Light of God's Word broadcast, a broadcast that shines the light of God's Word through expositional teaching of the Word of God. This broadcast is a ministry of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church in Lewisburg, Tennessee. You can find out more information about our church at www.lewisburglighthouse.com. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast today, and welcome back. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 today. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, beginning reading in verse 14, and we're going to read down to verse number 21. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I'll come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but of the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Last time we were together, we began discussing some characteristics of spiritual fathers. And the first thing we noticed is this from the text, verse 14, that spiritual fathers admonish their spiritual children. A good spiritual father, a good, a good physical father, is going to admonish their children. We often know this, children left to themselves and not being admonished tend to only uh, gravitate toward wrongdoing. The Bible says a child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. And uh, the reality is this, a spiritual father admonishes his spiritual children. Then we said, a spiritual father loves his spiritual children. Now, these go hand in hand. One without the other can be very detrimental. And so you'll admonish your spiritual children, but also you do so as Paul did. He loved his spiritual children. He referred to them as the beloved. And then lastly, we said this from verse 15, a spiritual father begets his spiritual children. And I asked you, uh, who have you begotten? Who are you introducing to Jesus? Who are you witnessing to? And that brings us to our section for today. And uh, that's number four. A spiritual father sets an example for his spiritual children. I want you to notice this in this text in verse 16 through 17. Paul said, Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. Now, a very significant uh, part of discipleship, just as significant part of a parent's teaching is, is imitation. It is amazing how many of the things that we say to our children are the very same things that our parents said to us. In fact, some of them are things that we thought when we were a kid, I'll never say that as a parent. But you know what we find? The older we get, the more our parents come out in us. Now, why is that? Because we imitate them. It began when you were a baby. As a baby, you began imitating your parents. That's how you learn to eat. That's how you learn to do all sorts of different things. The way your parents talked affected the way you talked. Now, unless you intentionally and majorly made an effort to do something different, you probably fell in the way of your parents. And it's so very important in the Christian life that we have spiritual leaders to lead us, a spiritual father. A spiritual father sets the example for his children. I want you to notice in this text a couple of things. 
First of all, notice this, Paul said, be ye followers of me. Now, I do want to say this, he doesn't stop there. A lot of people stop there, be ye followers of so-and-so, and whatever they do, that's what you should do. But I want you to notice something here. Paul says this, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Then he says, I'm going to send, I'm going to, send to you, or I send unto you Timotheus. But notice this, what will Timothy do? He's going to remind the people, he's going to bring into remembrance of Paul's ways, which are in Christ. He said, listen, I'm sent, I sent Timotheus to teach you and bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. He could say, be a follower of me, because he was following Christ. Now, there are times in, in life where we have to be careful, because some people will say, follow me, but they're not following in the ways of Christ. Those two must go hand in hand. And we need spiritual examples that we may follow, but we also need to be a spiritual example that others may follow. Number five, a spiritual father teaches his spiritual children. Notice verse 17, the last part, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, Ed Kimball was a man who lived over 100 years ago, a Sunday school teacher in Boston, and there was a young teenager who came, and he was part of his class, and the young man was a country boy who had come to the city. He didn't know the ways of the city. He didn't know the way of the church. In fact, the first time he was, he was uh, actually uh, interviewed for a uh, membership, he failed for multiple reasons. One of them, they, they drove, he drove them crazy not keeping his chair legs on the ground. But he came to Kimball's Sunday school class. And when the teen first came to Edward Kimball's class, Edward Kimball handed him a Bible. A little bit later, Mr. Kimball said, turn to the Gospel of John, but the little boy, he didn't even know how to find the Gospel of John. This was a big book in which he was lost. And Edward Kimball recognized what was happening, and while the other boys were snickering, he took the Bible, and he opened it up to the Gospel of John and handed it back. When he asked the boys to read, of course, this country boy without much education fumbled as he read, but Edward Kimball had a different perspective than the other boys did. The other boys laughing, snickering, thinking it's funny but he had a big perspective, and he understood something, that if this young boy got the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ could change his life and do great things with him. And so Kimball worked with him, and after some months, he went down to the store where the boy was working, and he went into the back room where this young boy was stacking shoeboxes, and he led that boy to Jesus Christ. Now, the story that I just told you is the story of the conversion of D.L. Moody, who became one of America's greatest preachers in the late 19th century and was actually world famous and traveled around the world even preaching. Now, many people don't know the name Ed Kimball. He was an obscure Sunday school teacher, but he was a man who had a vision, and he understood the importance of teaching his spiritual children. He understood the importance of teaching. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we we um, downplay the importance of teaching, but we need, to, we need to emphasize the importance of teaching. How can we expect those who follow us to follow us if they don't know what way in which to follow? There are, many, there are many things that we come across in life that we need to be prepared for, and that's what teaching does. Teaching prepares us for the next step. As a, as a school teacher and, and working in a, a school system, the way the system works is in kindergarten, they get the tools they need in order to do first grade. And in first grade, they get the tools they need, and each step is vitally important because all we're doing is equipping them to go to the next, next stage of growth. And the problem many times is this, 
is that we don't prepare Christians for the next stage of growth, and they find themselves in a situation. They find themselves maybe never being taught the multiplication facts, and now they're sitting in algebra, and, and they're struggling, and they're lost. But if, if just each year they get those next teaching uh, tools that they need, those next tools that they need to complete the task that's before them, they can do great and amazing things. And ultimately, over time, those things add up. And that's the thing about teaching. Teaching is not a one-day process. In fact, one of the difficulties as a teacher is this. I don't get to see light bulb moments. Very rarely do I see light bulb moments. But what I do see when I look at progress and I look at where the student was when they came into my class and two years later or three years later when they leave my class, where they're at. And you see that progress. How did all that progress happen? Was it a Tuesday afternoon, that great lesson? No, it was the many weeks of Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays teaching what they needed to know. And the same thing is true in spiritual teaching. I think sometimes we, we sort of um, overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be a full-fledged counseling session. It can be a conversation in which you encourage them spiritually and teach them. Number six, a spiritual father will discipline his spiritual children. At the beginning of this text, he was admonishing them, but now he's, a, now he's warning them that discipline's coming. In verse 18 through 21, he says, now, some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I'll come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness. You know, there are times when natural fathers have to discipline their children. In fact, understand this, discipline is an expression of love. The reality is the Lord chasteneth those who he loves. It's, it's, it's given to correct wrong thinking or wrong actions which lead to difficult consequences. That's the purpose of discipline. It's not punishment. Discipline is correction. It's learning that we have to correct this. In the same way a spiritual father disciplines his spiritual children. Paul did that with the Corinthian believers because they had slipped into wrong thinking, which then led to wrong behavior. In fact, some of the Corinthians had just full-blown got arrogant. Notice that he says to them, some of you are puffed up. Puffed up, believing that they could think or act as they wanted, thinking that Paul's not going to come to correct them. But Paul assured them that he would come if the Lord willed, and that when he would come, he would find out the talk or the puffed up, arrogant people's conversations. But that's not what he was going to focus on. He wasn't concerned. It would be very easy to see who was puffed up. But instead, he wanted to see their power. The problem in Corinth was that many of the Christians thought they had arrived at true and great wisdom, which they mistakenly thought was more powerful than the gospel. And so Paul then stated a central principle of great importance. He said this, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. In other words, faith that does not result in right living may have many words to support it, but will not have power. And the kingdom of God is not in word. It's not your talk, but it's in the power of God. One, one commentator says it this way, a person's true spiritual character is not determined by the impressiveness of his words, but by the power of his life. 
And so Paul gave the Corinthians a choice. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Now, his hope in saying this was not that he would come and have to come with a rod, but that they would take this as correction, as discipline, and that they would repent so that he wouldn't have to come with the rod, but rather with love. As a parent, if you're a parent listening to this, you understand you don't enjoy disciplining your children, but he knew that they needed it, and you know that your children need it. And that's why you do it. You love them. They need it. It will change their life for the better. And so a spiritual father disciplines his children. For 111 days, Charlie Engel, Ray Zahab, and Kevin Lynn endured what most people couldn't endure. For 111 days, they ran the equivalent of two marathons a day in order to cross the entire Sahara Desert on foot. They touched the waters at Senegal, and they made their way through uh, multiple places to touch the waters of the Red Sea. And along the way, the trio faced blazing, difficult temperatures of over 100 degrees, but then also jarring, freezing nights, sandstorms, they had tendonitis, they had sickness, other usual aches and pains and blisters that would come from doing such a physical feat. But the biggest challenge that they faced was summed up in one word, water. Finding its cleanest form gets to be a bit of a chore in the middle of the Saharan desert. And crossing the Saharan desert on foot is an amazing accomplishment. But as commendable are, as, as just as commendable are these marathon finishers. And the marathon finishers I'm thinking of are Christians who finish their lives still learning, still growing. And, and in order to do so, we need spiritual fathers. And spiritual fathers who admonish who love, who beget, who set an example, who teach and discipline their children are very commendable. In these words in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we've learned six characteristics of a spiritual father. These are the key elements in a vital and effective discipling relationship. Now I ask you this, are you being discipled? Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Is there, is there someone teaching you the way? And secondly, are you doing the same? As we are being taught, we should be teaching others. As we gain wisdom, we should share wisdom. As we gain knowledge, we should share knowledge. As we understand the power of the gospel, we should share the power of the gospel. Be careful that you don't become a consumer and not also a producer. Both are important. Thanks for listening, and remember this week to be a light to others so that through you they may see the glory of God.